All right, if you will, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to first, nope, messed me up, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, probably like, what? We've been in First Timothy for the past few months, why are we in Ephesians 4 this morning? I don't do this often, church, um, I decided to go off script this morning, and it was last minute, um, This was, it was Friday, when really we're supposed to already have laid out what we're going to preach on. Friday, I was like, you know, I think maybe we should do something different. Uh, it's still uh, within the same theme of what we're looking at with uh, looking at what is a healthy church and how can we be a healthy church. And and we're coming up in our First Timothy series of uh, 1 Timothy 3, where we're looking at the qualifications for elders and the qualifications for deacons. Uh, next Sunday, I'm actually thinking about just taking chapter 3, verse 1, and kind of talking about what is an elder, what is a pastor. Um, but today, I want to look at the blueprints of a healthy church, which involves elders, but it more so involves you. I want to talk about how a healthy church serves. Now, we live in a culture today where there's a labor shortage Anybody here been out to eat lately and kind of wondered why is the service terrible? And mainly it's because they've, they're lacking employees right now. A lot of people don't want to work. A lot of people can't work. However you want to argue that. But there's a labor shortage. People are just not, and, and, and what's happening is, is it's causing the economy. It's causing our date nights just to be horrible. Me and my family went out to eat the other night. I'm not going to say where because I don't want to badmouth the restaurant because it was it was just because it was a labor shortage. And I mean, it took forever for us to even get a menu. I mean, we almost left. But, you know, it is what it is. But church, it shouldn't be like that inside the church. There should not be a shortage of volunteers inside the church. Today, I want to talk about the blueprints of a healthy church. And I believe Paul does that in Ephesians 4. And what's interesting about this letter to Ephesus, it's the same church that Paul is writing to Timothy about in 1 Timothy. It's the same church. And Paul is going to show us, and I'm, I'm just looking at two verses. Paul's going to show us. The blueprints of a healthy church. So go ahead and stand with me here at Red Cross. We like to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word because this is God's living and active word. Hebrews tells us that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. The God's word tells us it does not return to him void. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. So let's see what Paul has for us in verses 11 and 12 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And I'm just going to go on. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing upon your word, that you would help us to apply this word to our lives, that you would help us as a church seeking to be a healthy church, help us, God, to be obedient to your word this morning. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, 
This morning we got baptism. We got three baptisms. So I'm doing something this morning that I don't usually do. I'm not going to preach for about 45 minutes th- this morning. I, I knew it. This will be a shorter, kind of a shorter message, not because I feel it's just that we're going to have time for the baptism. And there's something I want to do at the end of service, and we'll talk about this here in just a minute. But William Carey, William Carey is known as the father of modern missions. He was a particular Baptist. He was a pastor and a missionary, and more specifically a missionary to India. And one time, his son Felix had promised his father, William, that he was going to be a missionary, just like his dad. I'm going to dedicate my life to the service of Christ and be a missionary. Well, out of nowhere, the Queen of England decided to appoint Felix, the son of William Carey, to be an ambassador to Burma, not to be a missionary. And he agreed to it. So William Carey writes a letter to his friend, and he says, I need you to pray for my son Felix. He has degenerated into an ambassador of the British government when he should be serving the King of Kings. Now, William Carey believed, as should we, church, William Carey believed that there is no greater joy in a Christian's life than spending our entire lives advancing the kingdom of God for the glory of God. There's nothing else in this life worth doing compared to building the kingdom of God. I don't care if you are a a college basketball player for Carolina Tar Heels who won last night against Duke, and and the reason why I don't care is because I'm a state fan, but... Besides the fact, it doesn't matter how much money you make if you're NFL. It, it, it doesn't matter how big of a, pro, a promotion and a job that you have. It doesn't matter how well known you are, your popularity and fame, how big of a house you have, how much money you have, how big of a... It doesn't matter. Nothing in this life matters more than advancing the kingdom of God for the glory of God. You will waste your life, according to John Piper, if you do that. And not build your life on God's kingdom. And so church, my challenge to you this morning is to make sure that your life is completely sold out for the advancement of God's kingdom. And more specifically, as we look in in Ephesians 4, I'm not talking about mainly the advancement of God's kingdom outside of the church. I'm talking about inside. Because what Paul's talking about with equipping the saints for the work of ministry, he's not necessarily talking about the work of ministry of mission work or the work of ministry of of community outreach. He's talking about the work of ministry within the church. And I believe we have a volunteer shortage. So here's the main idea I want to get across to you this morning is this. God builds his church through elders who equip the body to serve. God builds his church through elders. Now, again, elders, I'm not talking about older people, okay? Talking about pastors. Talking about shepherds. God builds his church through elders who equip the body to serve. God builds his church 
through elders and through the body. That's how the kingdom advances. That's how the kingdom grows. That's how we as a church can can succeed in the ministry that he's called us to. Now, there's this 2080 rule that goes around. It's, it's big in the in the church language barrier where where 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work. You can even make the argument that possibly less than that are doing that. Could be 10 percent of the people are doing 80 percent of the work, however you want to argue that. But that is a sad reality. Because what's happening is, is the church is becoming more of a spectator sport. That people think joining in church is more about coming and attending and worshiping and less about getting out of our comfort zone and serving. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Christianity is not where you have you have bought your season tickets and you want to come and sit in your assigned seat in the pews whenever you want to and worship. Christianity is where you're taking part, not as a spectator, but you're on the team. You're on the field. You've got a position. You're playing the game. You're a soldier in God's army serving to advance the kingdom. It's time we stop sitting on the sidelines and start getting into the game. God builds his church through the body that serves. That's what he does. You want to be a healthy church? Everybody needs to take part. Everybody needs to take part. The church, according to the Bible, is called to be an every member ministry. There's no retirement age when it comes to church. I hear it all the time. All the time. I've done my part. It's time for me to sit back and let the younger people do something. I've heard it. I've heard it even from younger people. I just, I'm just busy. I'm tired. I just, I just want to come and just, and just worship. Do we, do we glorify God in our worship? Absolutely. But we glorify God in building his kingdom by serving in his church. So let's, let's break this down. All right. Number one, number one, how does God build a healthy church? Through elders who equip. Number one, elders equip. That's what they do. Too often churches think we need, we need a youth ministry thriving. We, 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 we need a church to be thriving. Let's hire somebody. They'll do that job and we'll just sit back and just let them handle it. Too many people think that, that, that pastors are hired hands to do everything. We're not. We're not called to do everything. Leto's not called to do everything. I'm not called to do everything. In fact, if, if we were to look at Acts chapter 6, when, when, when the churches actually institute the deacons, it is so that the elders, the pastors, can set a time, the time that they need, set aside the time that they need in order for prayer and study of the word so that they can proclaim it. I love John MacArthur, one of my favorite, one of my favorite pastors. He has served at his church for over 50 years as the pastor. 
His only pastoral ministry. I hate to tell some of you in here because you might not like to hear this. That's my goal for here at Red Cross. You're stuck with me at least for another 45 years. If my health can make it that long. But this pastor, Pastor John MacArthur, he he believed that when he came into his church for the first time, I'm listening to this awesome podcast about, about his history. When he came into his church at the age of 29, he told his church that I'm going to need the time that to set aside for the study of God's word. And that church thought it was crazy. That church was like, are really, like, how much time do you need? John MacArthur said for about every hour that, that he preaches, he says, you can guarantee I spent eight to 10 hours in preparation. Church, that's how long it takes for us to actually come up with a sermon. It takes eight to 10 hours. Spurgeon did it on a Saturday night. It took him just a few hours. I'm sorry, guys. As much as I love Spurgeon, I'm not Spurgeon. I'm not Spurgeon. There's a lot of pastors, amazing preachers in this nation. They'll spend 15 to 20 hours on a sermon. I think that might be a little crazy. But I need that time to be in prayer and to study God's word, which means I can't do everything. We, elders, are called to equip. Look at verse 11. Paul says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints. I don't want to go into discussion for the sake of time about apostles, prophets, and evangelists. I want to focus on shepherds and teachers. That's where I want to focus at. Shepherds and teachers. Those are your elders. They're shepherds and they're teachers. Not all teachers are shepherds, but all shepherds are teachers. I'm your shepherd. And I'm not the shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd. Christ is the good shepherd. I submit to him as I teach and equip you through his word. Church, I, as, as, as your elder, are, I'm called to equip you. How, how, how do I do that? Through prayer is one of them. I, I am called to equip you through prayer. I am to be a man of prayer in which I am praying for you. Mark Dever is another pastor whom I love dearly. He's at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Y'all, y'all do realize I don't fanboy about athletes. I fanboy about pastors. Okay. I know it's weird, but like I got T4G coming up in two weeks. I get to go here like John Piper, Sinclair Ferguson. I get to go here Mark Dever, Ligon Duncan. Like these are guys that are just, they're, they, they are masters in the pulpit. I'm so excited, but Dever, one of these pastors, what he does is he carries, he carries a little sheet in, in his Bible everywhere he goes. And what do you think is on that sheet? The names of his church members. Praise for Kent, Kent Hughes, he's a Presbyterian pastor, was once asked, by a by a a guy randomly at a conference I think he was asked if you were coming to a brand new church what are three books you would bring with you us as pastors we love books all right love them come see my office I'll show you we love books 
But when asked, this is what Kent Hughes' re- response was, and it's beautiful. He says, if I were to come to a new church and I were to take three books with me, the first book would be the Bible to preach from it. The second book would be the hymnal to sing the praises of God. And the third book, anybody want to take a guess? Church directory. So I can pray for the people. Church, how do we as elders, how are we called to equip you first? We're called to equip you by praying for you. And I've got a little app on my phone and it's a, it's a widget now and it's on my front screen and it's prayer requests. Anytime you call me or text me and tell me to be in prayer for somebody, that name goes on that app. That's my prayer list. To where when I cut my phone on, that's actually the first thing I see so that I'm reminded every time I get onto my phone, I need to be praying. But I'm not the best at it. I'm not up here boasting about it or gloating. I need to get better. But church, that's how we equip you. We're we're called to be in prayer, lifting you up and encouraging you. And you're telling us about your struggles. You're telling us about your suffering. You're telling us about your trials and temptations. We're praying for God to equip you, to strengthen you, to help you to endure through all these things. Because we carry that spiritual burden for you. It weighs on us. There's, there's something spiritual that happens when a pastor is leading his people and there is spiritual care that is needed. There's a weight. There's a weight that we carry. There's things that we think about that you don't when we lay our heads down to sleep at night. I can't shut my brain off because I'm constantly thinking about you. I care about you. You might not care about me. I care about you. We're called to equip you by praying for you. Secondly, and most importantly, I think, well, it would be the same on level of prayer. Secondly, we equip you through the word. We equip you through the preaching and teaching of God's word. That is why here we value the verse-by-verse expositional preaching of God's word. We want to show you everything. We want to teach you the whole counsel of God. We want to dig deep. We want to know the hard things. We want to know the things that, that we have a hard time understanding. Because theology does have a play in our doxology. Theology and doctrine, what we know. I was setting in on, uh, on Brother Cliff's Sunday school lesson this morning. The few minutes that I was able to set in on it was talking about the importance of knowing God more. Not just having that, that head knowledge, but that heart knowledge, that transformational knowledge of knowing God. We want to know him more, not just information, transformation. My wife, she is amazing, beautiful. She's a rock star. I'm able to do the work of ministry because of her. We got two and a half kids. And she does the majority of the heavy lifting. These kids, they love their mommy. Their daddy's a whole other question. Somebody came up and asked my son, is your daddy mean? And he kind of looked up at me. And then he looked and he said, no. I was like, good answer. But church, my wife, 
My wife is here serving, equipping my boys, helping out so that I may be able to do the work of ministry. But here's the thing about her. She changes. She likes one thing one week and hates it the next. That's why when it comes to anniversaries and birthdays and Christmas, I usually have to ask her, can you send me a list of what you want this year? Because if I get you what you asked for last year, you might return it. But I want to know her more. How do I get to know her more? By spending time with her. Hearing her. Hearing her thoughts. Knowing her likes and her dislikes. Knowing who she is. What she's like. How she reacts. Boy, how she reacts. Got to know that one. Got to be ready to duck sometimes. And I got a lot farther to duck than y'all do. She's four foot ten. Four foot eleven, sorry. But when it comes to knowing God, we do it through His Word because it's in this Word that we know His likes and His dislikes, His thoughts. We know how He acts and how He reacts. This is, this is God's Word. That's why I, I'm not a fan of, of gimmicks. You probably... I really hope you've caught that about me. Like, like if it's Sunday morning and we are neglecting the teaching and preaching of God's word, we're failing as a church. A lot of times in, in churches, that's the first thing to go. We ain't got time for it, pastor. Guys, listen, that's, uh, we can be, we can do away with the singing. Sorry, Wesley. We can do away with the singing and the music and we can be, be in obedience because we have the preaching. But if we do away with the word and only have singing, you're not in obedience. We are here to equip you with the word of God. We're not here to, to sugarcoat it. We're not here to, we're, we're not even here to beat you over the head with it. We want to show you how beautiful the treasures of Christ are. And why is that? Why is it that we need to do that? The word equip in the Greek for this verse is, is similar to the word make perfect. All right, to perfect. It's almost like a medical term to reset a bone. I was racing bikes one time when I was a kid. Me and my brother, we were riding around the house. Our German shepherd run out in front of me. I flipped over her, landed in a rose bush, all cut up. And my arm looked kind of weird. And my mom comes out the front door and she's like, you okay? No, I think I broke my arm. It was a typical mom say back in the uh, 90s and early 2000s. You all right? Get up. <laughs> Get up. I got up. I'm holding my arm. She's inside. She went back in, in, inside. She thinks I'm fine. She didn't even look at me. I'm in a rose bush. I get up. I come inside and I'm holding my arm and she turns around and she goes, <gasps> This bone is like sticking up and like the arm is all jacked up and she's like, get in the car. We got to go to the hospital. I told you. So we're going to, to the, uh, to, to the hospital. I'm in the, in the ER. I'm all, I'm all juiced up. You know, I got feel good medicine going on. The doctor comes in and he's like, we got to reset it. And I was like, what does that mean? I'm already kind of like freaking out from, from the medicine. I'm young. What does that mean? Reset it. Are they going to cut it open? What's going on? And then my mom says, just hold on. It's going to be fine. And he's like, yeah, I got it. He picks my arm up out of nowhere. 
And it's like, there you go, done. I was like, oh. It's like in ministry, church, when something's not perfect, when something's not reset, your body can't function well. I was not going to be able to do anything with that arm, with the bone sticking out. It had to be reset. It had to be perfected. The church has to be perfected, has to be equipped. Some of your translations say perfected. We're called to equip you so that the body can function well. And why is that? How? How is that actually? Let me ask that. How is that? It says in 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3, to shepherds, Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We're called to shepherd you, guide you, equip you, teach you, train you. To do what? To serve. Understand, church, that the health of the church is vitally determined by the health of the pastor and the pulpit. And let me say that again, the pastor and the pulpit. If your elders, if your pastor is wore out, tired, exhausted, even burnt out. I know we've, I've talked a lot about that lately. I've got, I've got friends who have resigned from ministry because they're so tired. COVID has worn them out. They are burnt out. That's why you, you as a church should value the time that the pastor gets to go away and be with family. Because a lot of times I'm not. I'm having to miss meals at dinner time because I've got a phone call of a church member in, a, in an emergency in the hospital. And joyfully and gladly, I'll get up and I'll go. I've done that. Um, I believe I did that with uh, Miss Esther's husband, Jimmy, when uh, Jimmy died. I, I remember I got the phone call. We were having dinner. I put the fork down, told my wife, I got to go, and drove over to the, to the nursing home, sat with them. There's a lot of times that my family's having to make sacrifices for me to shepherd you. So when I get that time to go away and be on vacation and be with my family, you should value that time because it helps me to reset and rest because the health of this church and the health of you is determined by the health of your pastor and not only by the pastor, but the pulpit. Church, what comes from this pulpit is vitally important. That's why I will not allow anybody to come in here unless I trust them. I'm in charge of who preaches. I'm in charge of who comes up here and opens scripture to you. And I've had people say, you need to let so-and-so come. You need to let my cousin come. You need to let, I'll do it. You know, I'm like, hold up. Let's talk. I'm on a rabbit trail. Number two, not only do elders equip, but we equip the saints to serve. Number two, saints serve. In a healthy church, elders equip. Number two, saints serve. Verse 11 Paul says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Church saints serve. They serve. 
Everybody has been gifted with something by God. Did you know that? Every single person is gifted with something. First Peter 4, 10 and 11, it says, as each, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whomever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Church, each one has received a gift from God. I don't know. We, we, I don't know what that gift is. You do more than I do probably. But as we are in community and as we're hanging out and fellowshipping and building relationships, we start seeing those gifts. You might have a gift of mercy where, where, where you want to show compassion and ministry to people who need meals or who need to be visited. You might, you might have a gift of teaching where, where, where we can put you in a Sunday school class or lead a Bible study. You might, you might have a gift of cooking. I know some of you do because I've eaten your food. We need people to serve on Wednesday night meals. We need people to cook at VBS. We need people to provide meals for church members. Some of you have the gift of organization. Let me tell you, I don't. I'm unorganized. But some of you are so organized, I'm jealous. To where you would be good at organization and ministry. Maybe some type of administration work within our church. Organizing something. Church, you have been given a gift to serve. And why do we serve? For the glory of God. Because we want to be good stewards of God's grace. Ephesians 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He's not talking about saving grace. He's talking about the grace that has equipped us to serve. The gifts that we've been given. Every single one of you has one. And if you're not using it, if you're just a spectator, you're not being a good steward of what God's given you. I know it sounds like I'm harping on you this morning, but church, we are called to serve. And not just serve, but serve joyfully, gladly, jump at the opportunity. There's no greater joy that you can find than serving in the church. I promise you that. Paul Tripp, I'm running late. Paul Tripp says, your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse, and non-delinquent kids. It's bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transforming them into his kingdom and progressively changing them to his likeness. And he wants you to be part of it. You. So when you join in church membership, when you become a part of the church, you get plugged in. You serve in some capacity. And understand, church, we, we are saved to do good 
works. We're saved by God's works to do good works. Ephesians 2, 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Church, we are saved by God's works to do good works. We are called to serve in the church. Not only in a healthy church do we see elders equip and saints serve, but thirdly, we see that God grows. God grows the church Verse 11 and 12, Paul says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Saints, church, we serve to build up the body. It's like exercise. If you're not exercising, your body's going to fall apart. Preaching to myself here, all right? I got to get back into the gym. I know it. But when you, when you start getting complacent and stagnant, y'all know things start popping and aching and cramping and it don't feel good. The body is called to serve. We're called to serve each other. First Corinthians shows us that, that, that we are all one body, but many parts. If the foot itches, I'm going to take my hand and scratch it. This, bo- this part of the body is serving this part of the body. We're called to serve each, each other. We're called to serve the body to build it up and to help with the health of it. And we see that through that building up, it's God that brings the growth. Look at verse 15. Paul says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, the head of the church, into who? Christ. Verse 16, from whom, from Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. It's working properly through the serving. When each part is working properly, Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do we want to have a healthy church? Get out of the pew and serve. You want to have a healthy church? You want to see it grow and see it thrive? Do something. And here's the thing, church, and and this might sound harsh. This might sound harsh, so take take it with grace. We don't need to be the ones begging you to do something. We don't. I've heard people say it's easier for us to approach people individually and get them to serve instead of announcing up here that we need people serving. That's me going to you and begging you. I don't want to have to beg you because we shouldn't have to. You should want to serve joyfully and gladly and willingly and immediately. 
You should jump at the opportunity. Why? Because it's God's church. We're doing it for his glory. We're doing it to advance his kingdom, not ours. You know, one day Red Cross might never exist here. One day, it's, it is possible. We thought it was going to be possible a few years back. One day it might never exist here. But the church will never fail. We're called to do this because this never stops. Never stops. One thing that I love about John MacArthur's ministry, for being there for around 52 years now, I think, is it talks about how he has been able to see generations of family members growing up in the church and serving and loving. He remembers seeing somebody that was a kid that is now a grandfather. He's, he, he has seen somebody who was a father when he first got there, now a great-grandfather, and their great-grandkids are coming to the church too. Because he knows that it never stops. We're called to make this continue. So why should we serve? For God's glory to advance his kingdom, to build his church. But we should serve for the sake of our kids. We should serve for the sake of their kids. Because we want them to have a church, a godly, Christ-exalting, sin-hating, people-loving church. Because when my kids become parents, who knows what this world's going to be like. But by golly, when my kids become parents, I can make sure that if I'm still here at Red Cross Baptist, it's going to be a Bible-believing church. And if the culture says that we are bigots and that we are hateful, whatever they may say, we are bound to this book. So church, let's serve. Let's do something. I went a little longer than I wanted to, but this is what I want to, this is what I'm going to close with. At the end of our service today, we've got a couple people getting, getting baptized. After that, at the end of our service, um, leaders within our church who I've already spoken to are going to come up. And I've got clipboards up here with sign-up sheets. We've got several ministries within our church that we need you to fill in for. So here's my charge to you, church. Are you ready? This is my charge to you. Every single church member needs to serve in some capacity. I want to charge every single church member to sign up for something. Now, you might already be serving in nursery and children's ministry. You might already be serving in, you know, playing the piano and the, and the organ. You might already be serving as worship. You might already be serving in some capacity. Sunday school teacher, that's great. But I know there's some of you who are church members who are not signed up for anything. We're giving you this opportunity. I'm putting it out here. Every Sunday through the month of April at the end of service, except for Easter Sunday, we're doing this. And the leaders are going to be up here with clipboards. And you have the opportunity to first come, you can sign up, or you can ask them questions. You can ask them questions. Here are the ministries that I want to charge you to sign up for. 
One is the AV ministry, the AV team. It's been me and Wesley running that computer, and this morning it was his wife. It doesn't need to be us every Sunday. We need somebody else. We need other people back there to be doing computer work for us, running sound for us. We need another team, another ministry. It's our Wednesday night meals. Our Wednesday night meals. We got Tammy McElwain who will be coming up for that. That's right. She'll be upstairs. Clipboard's up up here. All right, I'll tell you what. Right now for Wednesday night meals, just sign up. But if you want to ask questions, go see Tammy. Okay? But Wednesday night meals, sign up. The clipboard will be up here. Let me tell you something, church. Wednesday night meals, it helps our families with kids bring their kids to church. Because I've heard from so many parents how hard it is for them to get off work, get home, feed their kids, and then get them here for their discipleship. We need Wednesday night meals. You want to know who's been doing them lately? Me and Leto. We've been the ones cooking the hamburger meat for the, for the tacos. We've been the ones doing the grocery shopping. We've been the ones setting up the fellowship hall. But we don't need to be the ones doing that. We need church members to, 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 to make a stand and say, I'll do it. And if we get enough signed up, we got teams. Another ministry is the greeting team. Miss Frieda is going to handle that. Greeting team, we need some smiling faces. That might not be some of you. But there's others of you that got some nice smiles. We need some friendly, smiling faces to where when visitors come through that door, and it is said, it is believed that a visitor, their first interaction through the door has a lot to say whether or not they're going to stay. So if you can't smile, that ministry's not for you. We need some nice people back there. Come see Miss Frida. Miss Frida's also going to be taking sign-ups. Miss Frida's also going to be taking sign-ups for uh, meals for one of our shut-ins. We need help to provide some meals. Might be once a month. If we get enough people signed up, every other month. Well, we need some help with that. Um, there's other ministries. We need nursery and children's church for Sunday school and Wednesday night. Guys, we got babies that want to be held. Pending a background check, you can sign up for that. But here's another one. Am I missing one? I'm, I, oh, ushers. Ushers. We need ushers. We keep having to find ushers in, in the beginning of service. It'd be great to have a sign-up sheet for people who can come and take up money. And listen, the usher ministry, you can be a teenager. You don't, you don't even have to be a church member. We're not going to do like first-time guests. But if you're a kid who's not professed faith in Christ and has not been baptized yet, we'll even let you help take up offering, depending on your age. I wouldn't trust my seven-year-old. He'll run out with the money and go buy him a new toy. But here's the other thing that we need you to sign up for. And this is for every church member. It's VBS. We got vacation Bible school at the end of July. And here's the thing, church. Every single church member can sign up for it and do something. We're not, we're not saying you're going to teach. But if you can take one hour maybe out of the week and come and help decorate, or maybe there's one night where you can come and help serve, we really need you to be there every night. But church, I'm going to go ahead and tell you straight up, if we don't get enough volunteers for VBS, we're going to have to cancel it. We're going to have to. 
And that's not a healthy church. Church, these are opportunities for us to build God's kingdom. We need adults in the nursery who are going to hold kids so that their parents can come and and worship. And listen, those parents are serving in the the nursery. We need need you to step up and serve. Because this is how God builds his church. Now, you might not be able to sign up today. You might want to take the week and pray, uh, pray about it. Again, we're doing this every Sunday after church, except for Easter Sunday. Okay? So we want you here to sign up for it. Security team. Thank you, Kent. Men. Some of you are like, man, I'm too manly to hold a baby. That's all right. Or I can't cook. I burn spaghetti. It's okay. Men. Some of you are intimidating looking enough. We need men to help with security team. Men, here's what's sad. I've had women to say they can work security. Nothing against a woman working security. All right, I'm, don't, don't throw tomatoes at me, ladies. I know some of y'all can lay me out in a heartbeat. But we don't need ladies serving on, on the security team when really it should be the men. Men, man up. We need some men who can help serve on security team during Sunday school hour or during the worship hour. Kent Aldridge will, will, will be handling that. Frida will be handling the greeting team and the, and the foods for shut-ins. Adam Love's going to be handling the usher ministry. Uh, Leto's going to come in. He's going to handle um, the children's ministry. And I believe VBS, maybe, or was somebody else reached out about that? Anybody know? Maybe not. Might be Leto then. Okay. And that's it. Here's the thing. And then I'm closing. I've talked way too long. We still got baptism. Wesley, come on up, man. Instrumentalists, let's go ahead and get y'all over there. I've got a couple people in this church that I can assign this to. And they're not going to ask where you, where, where you want to serve. They're going to tell you, hey, you're a member. We see you're not doing anything. We need somebody to do security. We're going to sign you up for it. Now, I've already, I already know a couple people that I can put in charge of that and they can get that job done for me. But we don't want to do that. We want you to serve joyfully. So please come and sign up. Okay. Let's go ahead and stand. Um, let's go ahead and do our invitation and, uh, and then we're going to get started with our baptism. Go ahead, Wesley.